0: What did you say at the end there? I don't know. I think you were stuttering. But anyway, Jan is our uh, best bearded one on staff, among many, many other things. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you. My name is Alan, and uh, uh, Merry Almost Christmas to you. I do have to be honest about something as I get started. Uh, This morning, I am sick and tired that's it. I'm sick and tired. Uh, I'm not upset about anything. I'm just, I'm just not feeling well. So uh, I'm doing my best to not cough in the microphone, and so because I know that's very unpleasant. So I'll do my best not to do that. I'm not in pain or anything. I'm just sick and tired. So uh, all, but but I, we're gonna we're gonna have fun nonetheless. Why? Because this is Christmas. It's the most <coughs> wonderful time of the year. And so we're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, plow through this, and it's gonna be great. So we're uh, speaking of Christmas. Over the past few weeks, are we've been talking about the different versions of the story of Jesus, the story, the birth story of Jesus, the Christmas story found in Scripture. That there are four different versions of the story of, Gre- of Jesus found at the beginning of the New Testament: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them speak of the Christmas story in a unique and different way. And so we're walking through each of those and trying to identify what God may be saying to us uniquely through each of the gospel writers. This morning, we're looking at the gospel of Luke, the third version of the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And uh, Luke is probably the most famous of all the versions, that Luke has all the… The pieces in it that we come to love on the Christmas story, Luke talks about the inn and the manger and the shepherds and the angels. Uh, Luke talks about these essential uh, pieces. This is the version you typically would read your children, is the Luke version of the story. Uh, most people stay away from the Matthew version with Herod who kills all the young boys. And so uh, uh, we typically go to the Luke If you weren't here two weeks ago, that might have sounded odd. But uh, uh, we typically read the Luke version of this story, which is uh, just a great, celebrated version of the story. Luke seems to be telling his version of the story from the perspective of an outsider. So the question I want to begin with today is just asking you, do you ever feel like an outsider in life? Did you feel like an outsider in your family growing up? Did you ever feel like you were different than your brothers and sisters, and they had skills that you didn't have or had opportunities that were different? Do you ever feel like you were an outsider in your family simply because they were really weird, and you wondered if you looked for evidence of an adoption somewhere, and you – do you ever feel like an outsider in school? I mean, who didn't in middle school? That's what I thought. Uh, Do you ever feel like an outsider at work? Maybe there's just – there's just – there's these cliques, there's this group of people, and you're just not sure how that – how that fits. Do you ever feel like an outsider in church? That everyone around you seems to get it. They seem to understand words and phrases, and and you smile and go, I don't even know what they're talking about there. Do you ever kind of feel like you're an outsider? It can be very lonely and isolating to feel like an outsider socially, spiritually, as a part of life. And so I think Luke, part of his way of writing this story is to say, This Christmas story is for outsiders. This incredible story of this baby sent to earth, who who is God himself, this baby came for outsiders, and that's very good news. As we head towards that, would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this story. I thank you that we get to pause this morning and enter into it. I pray that you would meet us here, meet us there. Would you take us to Bethlehem? God, would you just protect uh, me from getting in the way and and whatever, my coughing or whatever that, God, we we don't want to hear from from me anyway, we want to hear from you, God. So would you come and speak to us with clarity, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to jump into the story in uh, Luke, if you have your Bible with you, or if you have a digital Bible with you, I invite you to, to turn with me. We're going to be reading it off the screen, but it's always a good idea to have something uh, in front of you, and, and you can make notes on the margin, et cetera, whatever, however that might look like uh, for you. Luke chapter 1 begins with a setup for the story, kind of a preamble. It's the story of Elizabeth and the, the uh, pregnancy of John the Baptist, and then Mary is pregnant with with, uh, ba- with this uh, baby Jesus, and this is obviously a significant part of the Christmas story, but it really starts to roll once we get into chapter 2. So I'm going to jump there. Luke chapter 2 begins, you might be very familiar with these first phrases, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the setup for Mary and Joseph having to take a trip to Bethlehem for this census, and so that's why this is happening. That's why there's no room in the inn, and this is the setup for this story. It's a great story, and that's what happens in the next few verses. I want to jump to verse 8 because I want to take a look at the shepherds. This morning, I want to focus on the role of the shepherds in this story. Verse 8, Luke writes, There were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want to look at the shepherds because shepherds in the Jewish culture were outsiders. They took care of sheep all day, and sheep were stanky. So shepherds, therefore, were stanky. I mean, they were just by, by virtue of odor they were outsiders in, in the culture. And so they had, because they were taking care of sheep, and as, as I understand it, periodically there would be uh, blood by a, a, a sheep who would get cut from a, a thorn or a rock or something would happen, and periodically they would they would have to have blood on them, which would make them unclean, so they couldn't participate in, in worship the way others would. Uh, and so they often, uh, uh, shepherds, they would love their God, but they wouldn't be able to participate in worship the way other Jewish Uh, people would have at that time. And so, for many reasons, the the shepherds were outsiders. The primary one is just just the fact that they would have have just been smelly. I mean, they would just have been uh, outsiders in that community. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people.'" Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is the famous Christmas story that we've heard. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I've been to Bethlehem, and it's understood that it would not have been a stable that would be most likely where the baby Jesus was born. More likely it would have been a cave because that's where, in that part of the world, that's where the animals would have been stored. And so if they, were, if they went to a manger, to an area where the animals were, then it more likely would have been a cave. Just imagine how welcomed these smelly shepherds would have been to this, to this poor young family in a cave with animals, having just given birth to their, to their baby boy. Even if, even if this wasn't the king, the, the Messiah, even if this was just a regular family with a regular baby, how welcome would they have been? They would have been outsiders going into this setting. Can you imagine Mary holding the baby and, and greeting a shepherd at the door and just going, oof? They would have been outsiders. What, what, what can I do to help you? You know, This is kind of a private moment for us in our family. What are you doing here? There are plenty of reasons for them not to belong. But this wasn't just a regular baby. This was the king of all kings. This was the Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for. And so I think there's evidence to say all the more they were unwelcome. They they would have been uh, uh, outsiders in that setting. You're not a priest. You're not a prophet. You're not even a regular attender of our worship here in our community. You are an outsider. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word, the shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Why were the people amazed? Were they amazed because the king has come? Or were they amazed because a shepherd told them that the king had come? Or were they amazed that a shepherd? that a group of shepherds had the audacity to go into this cave area to the privacy of this young, poor family as they just had birth to to their son? What were they amazed about? I mean, there's a lot of amazing parts of this story. I think that Luke tells a story from the perspective of the outsider because Luke himself was an outsider. Luke himself was an outsider, The story that we find in Scripture is a Jewish story. It is from the very beginning. It is the development and the rise and the struggles of a group of people, the Hebrew people, the people of God, the Jewish people. It's the Jewish people and everybody else. And that flows into the New Testament. It is a Jewish story. Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are all Jewish. And it it is a Jewish story written by Jewish writers, the whole thing. All of Scripture is a Jewish story with one exception, Luke. Luke was a Gentile. In the New Testament, it's referred to as the Jewish people and everybody else were Gentiles. Luke wasn't Jewish by birth. He was a Gentile. And so he, he is an outsider right off the bat. He's the only Gentile writer of our New Testament. He's an outsider, and he writes differently than the rest of the New Testament. His style is different. If you had two different English essays, and one started four score and seven years ago, and the other started, so like, here's what happened, okay? <laughs> Both are English, right? Both are English, Do you there? but they would feel very differently. We're not going to get that kind of difference when we read Greek. We don't understand Greek enough. But those who do understand Greek say there's a huge difference that most of the New Testament is written in the second version, in the more casual, common language version of Greek. I'm not saying that Matthew, Mark, and John were valley girls. I'm just saying that it was was a more casual, uh, 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 less educated version of Greek. Luke comes along. Luke is an educated physician, and his language is... Classic Greek. It is a very different style. So Luke comes along and writes his gospel, and the whole thing just feels different. He begins his, he starts off by saying, I want to give an accurate account of the story of Jesus. Luke was a Gentile, he never met Jesus. He wasn't an eyewitness to any of the stories that he writes about in his gospel. He wasn't there. He was an educated physician who said, I, I want to make sure this is captured well. And so he met with all of the, all, he met with the surviving disciples, and he met with other people, and he was friends with them, and he gathered them, he said, tell me, tell me what happened, tell me. I want to make sure I get the story right. But he himself was an outsider, which I, I think is why... Lost things were so important for Luke. Luke writes famously in, Luke, in chapter 15, one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture, one of the most loved stories in all of Scripture. Luke 15 begins with the story of the lost sheep and then the lost coin, and then the third story in chapter 15 is the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. This incredible story of a son who who says, I want to take my inheritance and run away from you, Father. I want nothing to do with you, and goes and squanders all of his money, and then realizes that that it was a terrible mistake, and he would be better off going home to serve in the fields uh, of of his father's home than to continue separated from his father. He's an outsider, longing desperately to come home, hoping maybe he could come home. This is, this is Luke's motif. This is what he talks about, this whole idea of the isolation and the desperation of an outsider. So let me ask again, the same question I asked at the beginning. Do you ever feel like an outsider? Do you ever feel like you don't belong? I have many times in life. I remember growing up in Canada, I was a late bloomer for playing organized hockey. I didn't play on an organized team until I was 10 years old. 10. That's like 70 in hockey years. <laughs> Once you're 10, I mean, you're way over the hill at that point. You're done. You're done. You can, you can play hockey a little bit, but you're not going to be good. And so I was very late on that, and I said, I'm, I'm, I've been playing hockey for a number of years just on the local rink, but I'd never played for real. And so I got used hockey equipment, shoulder pads and shin pads and the whole thing, and, and I went and tried out for my very first team, and, and my dad dropped me off, and nobody in my family had played hockey, and my dad didn't play hockey, so no, we didn't know how this worked. I assumed that I was trying out for a team that they would provide hockey socks and a hockey jersey for me. I would just go, I had my equipment, and they would provide the jersey and socks, and then I'd be, be able to try out for the team. But that's not how it works. I don't know why I thought that that was the case. That's just, that's just not what it was. And so I went there, and I'm I get my, uh, my stuff. I'm watching everybody to find out how do I put this stuff on. And I put it all on, and I realized I don't have socks on. I don't have a jersey on. My, 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 I got straps, you know, flopping around. I got my shoulder pads. I look, I look like a fool here. I'm sitting in a locker room, and everybody's trying not to look at me. Because they're going, who's the new kid? I'll never forget just sitting there just going, I'm, I'm an outsider. I don't belong here. I didn't make the team. I went out and skated, you know, flaps, flopping around all over the place. Then I got a jersey, got some socks, and I made another team. But I that feeling of being an outsider, I felt something similar when I started grad school for theology. So I, I graduated from uh, college, and then I took a year off, and I felt a call to ministry, and I realized I didn't, I didn't have any education in the area of theology, and so uh, I went to seminary. I had a math and physics degree, and I had a guitar that I liked to play, and I loved Jesus. That's all I had. I had math, physics, a guitar, and a love for Jesus. That's what I had to go into ministry, and so, but I went in my first year of seminary, And everyone around me had a different experience. I was the outsider because they all went to Bible school. They all had all these Old Testament classes and New Testament classes, and they knew everything about the Bible, and I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I had math, physics, a guitar, and a love for Jesus. And so when you start seminary, you have this thing called a Bible proficiency exam, and you need to pass the Bible proficiency exam in order to uh, get your degree and everybody all of my peers they're whipping through that thing like it was a math test they just whipped through that thing no problem and i i was reading i'm reading it going i don't know what you're talking about i don't know any of this i don't know any of this stuff i know the christmas story you know i knew a few of the few of the sunday school things i didn't really go to sunday school very much and so so i knew a little bit of but i was nowhere close to passing this test not even close it's just uh, nope 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 Nope. Jehoshaphat? I don't know. I don't know who any of these people are. But you can't get a degree unless you pass this test. Fortunately, you can take the test as many times as you want, and I finally did pass the test. It was a month and a half ago. I finally got through it. Whew. Just want you to have that confidence in me as your pastor today. But I totally felt like an outsider. I mean, I was, I was scrounging with all of this and trying to figure out how to, how to do all this stuff. I still, I still feel like an outsider. We, I gather with pastors here in the city sometimes, great people that I have so much in common with. Sometimes I gather with pastors in the country who are part of, uh, our church is part of the Church of God Based out of Anderson, Indiana, and we have great leaders and pastors who are part of this movement, and I get to meet with them and 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 we have great times together, but I often feel like an outsider. I often feel like I don't belong. And I don't know why. I don't, it's just kind of part of the dynamics. I haven't been able to figure it out. It's just some I've been told sometimes that I that I seem disinterested in some of these gatherings and some of these people. That's not the case. I just feel like an outsider. Do you ever feel like an outsider? Oftentimes people feel like an outsider in church and that's a tragedy. That's a, that's a sad thing. That's, that's not who we're supposed to be. That's not the kind of church we want to be part of. That Jesus, the, the foundation, the cornerstone of the church says come all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Come all. This should never be a place where people feel like outsiders. So what? What do we do if we feel like an outsider at home or at work or at school or, <coughs> excuse me, or at church? What? What are we supposed to do? Well, I think we can go to this story. I want to reread verses fifteen, verse fifteen that I read earlier. When the angels had left them, the shepherds. And gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. They didn't stay up on the hills with the sheep and say, maybe Mary and Joseph will bring this baby to them. They said, let's go. Now, I don't know these shepherds personally, of course, Maybe the one who said, let's go, was an extrovert. And so the one who said, well, let's go. I mean, what what could possibly be the problem to barge in on a young couple that we know nothing about uh, in their little cave with a brand new baby? What could possibly go wrong with that? You know, that would be what an extrovert might say. You you may be an extrovert and not really understand what this whole outsider thing is about because you don't… You rarely feel like you're on the outside because wherever you are, that's where the party is. So, you, you're fine. You, you maybe don't relate to this outsider stuff. But what about the rest of us who are, who are introverts, who maybe don't naturally say, let's go to Bethlehem. Come on. Let's go. I used to think I was an extrovert, because I, I cheated on the Myers-Briggs test. And I always would cheat towards extrovert because we live in a world that celebrates extroverts, so that's what I wanted to be. But as I got older, I had to be honest with myself to say, I'm, I'm really not. I'm, a, I'm an extrovert wannabe, but I'm naturally a, an introvert. And so how, to peop- how do people who, who sometimes feel like outsiders cross that barrier? H- how do we do that? What's the message for the outsider? Have you ever been to a a foreign city, and you made a transition from that city feeling like it was completely unknown to being a known thing for you? You go to a foreign city, you go to a different city here in the States or any part of the world, and at first you go in and you go, I know nothing. I, I, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. The smells are different. The sights are different. I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to turn. That's unlike home. Home, I know where to go. My community, my city, I know where things are. I know which way to go. No problem. You go to a, a foreign city and it's different and it's, and it's odd. How do you make the transition from this is all foreign and unfamiliar to me to, oh, now I feel comfortable? You spend time there. You get through the awkwardness. You spend time there. You get to know some people. You ask where the good restaurants are. You find out how the transportation works. You find out what you can eat and what you can't eat. You find out who to trust and who you should be careful with and what things to look out for, et cetera. And if you spend enough time there and get to know enough people, you know, Joe down there and Sally over there, and, and you it start to feel like this kind of starts to feel like home. This could be a home away from home. This actually starts to feel like I could do this. So what happens The people who feel like they're outsiders, even introverts, is that there's, there's a need sometimes to, to jump in like the shepherds to say, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this incredible thing that has happened. Like, a, jump in like an extrovert, as awkward as it might be, to jump in and say, let's go. Let, let's go to that Discover Mountain Park thing that they do once a month there at the church and just kind of find out what, what the next steps might be. Let's go to The Marriage Monday event, every Monday night they gather, and it seems to be about couples and marriages. Maybe there's something we could learn there or be encouraged by with that experience. Let's go serve in children's ministry or student ministry because I hear that can be an incredibly meaningful experience pouring into the lives of young people. Maybe that would be a great experience for us. Come on, let's go. Let's go to Rocky Point and build a home. Let's go to Honduras. Let's go to Lebanon. Let's go sign up to serve for Christmas Eve. There's six services. We, we, I'm sure there's a place where we can help out with that. Let's, let's go to the Christmas Eve service. Let's go come on, just, come on, let's go. You have neighbors who feel like outsiders to the story of Jesus. You have neighbors who know that you go to church and know that Jesus is important to you, who feel like an outsider to the whole story that they are invited into. And so there's a, there's a responsibility and an opportunity for us to say, come on, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this incredible thing that has happened. Let's go to Mountain Park and learn about this incredible birth and what it means for humanity. That's the message for the outsiders. Let's go. Let's go. I want to close with a just a message for those who are insiders. If you so far in this message, and I know we're almost done, but if you so far in this message have thought, I don't get it, I, don't, I can't relate to this idea of being an outsider, then you, my friend, are an insider. No question about it. You're an insider. See, outsiders are very aware of the fact that... <laughs> Of seasons or moments where we are outside. Outsiders are very aware of their outsiderness. Insiders not always so aware of their insiderness. Because insiders are in the inside. I'm on the in. I'm with the cool kids. I'm I'm on the in crowd. Why am I am I worried about in or out? I'm in. And so there is a there is a difference there, and Luke wants us to understand this difference. Luke is an outsider, and he talks about outsiders. Mary was an outsider. She came from up north, and she came down to Bethlehem as a questionably pregnant young gal. The shepherds were outsiders as we looked at. And then as the story rolls into chapter 3, Luke talks about John the Baptist. He's totally outsider. And then chapter 4 is Jesus declaring that He is the Messiah. He opens the scroll of Isaiah and says, this is me, the one who has come. And, and he is, he is uh, 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 threatened with his life. Jesus himself is an outsider in chapter 4. Luke talks about these outsiders. First time Luke talks about insiders is in chapter 5 when he talks about Jesus assembling 12 young men and saying, you are going to be my disciples. You are going to pass on this story. You are the insiders. And do you remember or know or understand what the primary message that Jesus gave the insiders was? Go and love other people. Love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. Go, make disciples. People will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Go. The insiders have a responsibility to make room for outsiders, to invite in outsiders, that the kingdom of God is not us saying, I made it. I'm in. I am saved. I am healthy. I am recovering. I am hopeful for my future. I'm growing. I have an understanding of what eternity is. I'm in. Yes. The kingdom of God is not just that, It's saying, I am thankful that you invited me in. I am thankful that that group of people cared enough about me to invite me into the kingdom of God. And now I have a job to invite others into the kingdom of God. I have a responsibility. As an insider, I have a responsibility to welcome outsiders. This morning, as Jan said, we're doing our Christmas outreach offering right now. And essentially what this is, when we gather money twice a year, we do this for everything that is outreach as far, for us as a church. It's, what essentially that is, it's a bunch of insiders who know the story of Jesus who say, we want to put our resources toward loving outsiders into the kingdom of God. That's what this list is, and we've been providing you information over the past few weeks about a number of ways that we, in 2019, are going to love outsiders. Hopefully, you've had a chance to look at that and pray about that. As Jan said, every dollar that comes in today will go towards our outreach efforts in 2019 unless you indicate specifically you want it to go to General Fund or somewhere else. If it's not indicated... Uh, or if it is indicated for outreach, it will go towards our Christmas outreach plan. It, it, It will go towards efforts that we make as a church to extend an offer to outsiders to come into the kingdom of God. When we... Just kind of thinking through some of the things on our, on our list that when we open our doors for Family of Promise, families here in the, in the city who, who, who need a place to stay, we are inviting outsiders into the kingdom of God. When we team up with, from gangs to jobs and give hope to men and women coming out of prison, when we build homes in Rocky Point, when we feed Syrian refugees in Lebanon, we are inviting outsiders into the peace and the knowledge and the power and the beauty of the kingdom of God. And so um, what we're going to do here is the band is going to come out and lead us in one final song as we participate in our Christmas outreach offering. And my hope is that you would prayerfully and joyfully and generously participate in the offering today. Today. Again, all of it goes towards our outreach efforts in 2019. Would you bow your heads with me as we celebrate and head into this time? God, I thank you that you have invited us into the story that we are all outsiders. We are all Gentiles who have been invited into your story. We've been invited into your family. God, I thank you for that invitation. I thank you for the, for the peace and the joy of being inside, of being in with you, God. But may we not stop there. May we forever be mindful of outsiders, of those that, that were just like us who do not yet know about who you are and about your love. And so, God, I pray that as we we worship through participating and giving, as we continue to celebrate Christmas, we would be mindful of outsiders as you are, as Luke is. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.